How's everyone doing today? Are we here to praise the Lord? Yes, so I'm going to ask you that you all rise to your feet and sing out to God today. in the trial 
by you, Lord Jesus. So continue to lead us today, Lord, as we sing these praises for you. Amen and amen. amen.
Before we pray, I just have an announcement to make. Um, the young teens may leave after I pray. Let us pray together. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Let's just pause a second and remember whose presence we are in. You are the God of creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses and Joshua and David. 
the God of judgment who can't tolerate sin and idolatry and allowed the Babylonian captivity to happen to his people. The God who prophesied through the prophets that one would come to redeem us and die for us and rise again so that we might know our sin can be forgiven and death does not have the final word. We come to you, Lord, thankful this morning for your faithfulness to us daily, your love for us that is able to look beyond who we are and the hope that you give us that allows us to wake up each day believing that your kingdom will come in our lives and on this earth as it does in heaven. Please forgive us, Lord, this day for our selfishness, our pride, our desire to be right all the time, our inability to be satisfied and to not complain. Forgive us for our anger, for our harsh and critical words. And forgive us, Lord, for being unconcerned for those who don't know you. Thank you that you have forgiven our sins through Jesus. Thank you for making us your children. May we never fail to love you above all else. I pray today, Lord, for First Baptist Church and the larger church around the world. Please be at work in our lives personally, in our families, our pastoral staff, our leadership, our deacons and ministry leaders, and all that they do here in this building. Be with our children, Lord, who are being raised in families and in the church. May they have tender hearts and minds that are guarded from the devil and this evil ways and his evil ways and protected and kept safe from the world by us as parents and grandparents. Please be with those who are ill today, those who are lonely, depressed, fearful, uncertain, or just need to hear your voice. Let them be reminded that knowing and being with Jesus is always enough. Please be with Pastor Lou today as he teaches us your word. May the Holy Spirit speak into our hearts. May we hear your message and receive and apply it in our lives. We thank you for your word, which is always true, and for your promises that are always fulfilled. May you be with us as we continue to worship and to listen with thankfulness and joy, with open hearts and minds. And we pray for all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Good morning, church. My name is Muilenko, but you can call me Melan. Today, I will share my testimony of how Jesus Christ is my God and my Savior. In February 1999, my husband and I got a job in Long Island. When we get there, I started working right away, and my husband worked the night shift. On the way uh, back to the apartment, he had all our stuff, including our passport, that were inside my small backpack. When my husband organized our stuff in the apartment, he noticed my small backpack was missing. He came back to the store to let me know what happened. We canceled our work right away and immediately went back to the Manhattan. 
The next day, we went to the Indonesian consulate to report our lost passport. Then an employee, his name is Mr. Simon, came out from the desk to talk with us and he invited us to join his worship training center in Chinatown every Saturday at 7.30 p.m. And then I said to him, we are not Christian, we are Buddhist, and we still go to the Buddhist temple to pray in Chinatown. With a smiling face, he replied, it is okay, I'm not to trying to make you a Christian, but just coming to listen to, to the sermon is a good thing, not a bad thing. We accepted his invitation, so we came together on that Saturday evening during, when during worship time, God touched me with the song, and I felt peace and joy in my heart, a different peace and joy from Buddhism, like the verse John 3, verse 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only uh, he, he gave his own, uh, one and only son that will, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He loved us so much that he sacrificed himself to save us from our sin. Since that moment, my husband and I continue to join the worship center and we also join worship in the main building of the Indonesian Baptist Church in Amherst every Sunday. On July 25th, 1999, I got baptized. I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and begin a new life in him. In John 14, verse six, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I decided to surrender my life to Jesus because Christians have an assurance that they will be forgiven for their sin and will go to heaven when we die. But in Buddhism, we don't have that kind of assurance. We can only try to do good things in life, hoping to be reincarnated as a human again or reach nirvana. All those things that happen were, were is not coincidental. God has a purpose in my life to receive his love, mercy, grace, and redeem me from the darkness to his light. I lost my passport, but, how, but now I found Jesus and got the heavenly passport. I can travel to heaven when my life is over. I'm really thankful to Jesus as my God, my Savior, and his love for me. No other God will sacrifice themselves to die on the cross to redeem my sin. Because Jesus gave me so much of his love already, now I have a commitment to praise and worship him, especially on Sunday, with my family, like in Joshua 21st, Verse 15, I just took the last sentence. As, my, as for me and my family, 
we will worship the Lord. This is, is my favorite verse also in uh, Joshua. First, uh, Joshua first one and first nine. This is uh, uh, Joshua saying, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous, do not be discouraged, for the Lord you God will be with you wherever you go. This verse shows that God is always with us and will never forsake us. Uh, thank you for the, uh, we grateful and thank you to be a part of FBC with my family. Thank you for your hospitality also. And this is my testimony. Thank you and God bless. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, she's my wife. <laughs> and now the, the, uh, we're trying to make it together because part of the story is in my testimony too. So my name is Hangalim. I grew up in a Buddhist family. During 1998, my wife and I came to the United States and the incidents where we lost our passport, it happened. This incident was a part of God's plan for us because without losing the passport, we will never meet the person who worked in Consulate General of Indonesia, Mr. Simon. So he introduced us to Jesus Christ and church after attending fellowship a few times and listening to the sermon, we decided to come to the church more often, as well as group Bible, uh, group Bible study and Saturday worship. Three months later, after I understood what salvation was, I decided to accept Jesus Christ as my God and my savior because Jesus died for me and he paid for all my sins at the cross that allow me to go to heaven. This assurance of going to heaven is not present in Buddhism. We have to reincarnate many times and hope to reach Nirvana. So the assurance on John 3, 13, 15 and 16. John 13 said, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. So 15, so that everyone who believe will have eternal life in him. And the 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. After accepting Jesus as my God and my savior, I got baptized on July 25th, 1999 at Indonesian Baptist Church in Amherst. After getting baptized, I thought life would be smooth, but that's not how God worked. I faced more temptation 
and encountered many problems. This wasn't much different from when I was still in Buddhist. So I questioned to God, and God gave me an answer through Bible study. The name of the Bible study was Experiencing with God. In this Bible study, I learned that I have to pay the price to God by cutting our desire and ambition to the world because we cannot serve two masters. So we decide to focus only on God by always coming to worship God, by attend, always attending all church program. Wednesday was a prayer meeting, Friday was Bible study, Saturday was training center and fellowship, and Sunday was the Sunday service. To make sure we were able to always attend, we only look for the job that worked from Monday through Friday. Not all the job work from Monday through Friday. And we can usually pay more. So the temptation to compromise our decision came to us. But God prepared the job for us. So we were able to fulfill our commitment by attending our church program. Even now, temptation and life problem still come. But God gave us a promise in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able. But with temptation, he will also provide a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. So the grace and the promise I got from Jesus Christ made us able to walk with God always. And Jesus God now is our provider, our protector, and our king, that we will serve him with our heart, soul, mind, and our strength forever. This knowledge and faith we will teach to our daughter and son as well, so my descendant will have the assurance from Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. reading for today. 1 John 2, 12-14. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Good morning, First Baptist Church. How are we? It is my uh, sheer pleasure and delight to introduce to you our speaker for today. 
Uh, pastor Keith Liu is a pastor I've known for a number of years, and I've always known him to be a man who loved God and loved God's people. Now, more recently, he and his wife Stephanie have uh, worshipped here at First Baptist, and I got to know him some more, and we've met up over lunch, and I appreciate this man so much, so much. Because, uh, you know, a lot of times when, when I talk shop with other pastors, you know, it's a good conversation. But with Pastor Keith, when we talk, he is like chat GPT. You know, I put in an input. There's just like a working plan of exactly. I'm like, wow, even I understand this. And so I am so grateful for our friendship and uh, uh, his devotion to Jesus and the gospel. Now, I say something wrong with that. Now. Uh, his heart's cry is for discipleship. And today, as he preaches, I think you're going to get that sense coming through in all that he says. So why don't we all uh, welcome Pastor Keith Liu. Good morning, church. Glad to be here today. And just to clarify one thing, I am not an AI. <laughs> but my wife and I have been worshiping with you guys since the beginning of the year, and it has been wonderful to see how God has blessed this church with people from all walks of life to worship our God together. And I'm glad to see how this church has blessed Pastor Aaron but also how God has provided this wonderful shepherd to be in your midst. So it's my honor to be here today. And today I want to share with you about this idea of growing together. Now, first, let me get to know you guys a little bit. How many of you here have um, either toddlers or elementary school age children? Some of you have that, right? I want to know. Do you have this in your house or something like this? <laughs> yeah, how many of you? Okay, now I'm going to ask you, like for those of you that have kids that have passed toddlers or elementary school age, how long do you keep this thing in your house? <laughs> how many of you keep it till they are in high school? Or for those of the high schoolers there, how many of your parents still ask you to go and get measured every year on your birthday? Okay, some of you do. Now, you keep it till they go to high school, they go to college, they graduate from college, or do you want to save this for your grandchildren also? Why? Why do we do this? Why do we use this thing in our house? It's to measure growth, right? That is a record of the growth of our children. And this idea of growth is very important, not only for kids, but for Christians. The Bible talks about us growing as a Christian all the time. Uh, let's try to read this first from Hebrews together. It says, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Clearly, it shows us here that we, as Christians, are to grow. We are to grow from milk to solid food. 
we are to go, go from unskilled to skilled. And today, let's take a look at the passage that we just read to talk about how three stages of growth that John has shown us in this passage and see what we can learn about our growth as Christians and how we are to grow together. And the three stages are pretty clear. It's little children, it's fathers, it's young, little children, young men, and fathers. But before I dig into them, I want us to realize that here, this is talking about spiritual age, not physical age. So just because you are young in age does not mean that you cannot be mature in faith. As a matter of fact, we see the example of the Apostle Paul, that he became a church leader soon after he encountered Christ. So this is about our spiritual age, and we all can grow. And I encourage the young people here that don't be fearful that you can grow and become mature very quickly in your walk with Christ too. So let's start. Let's start by looking at children. Here, the children tells us about two things. The first one is that your sins are forgiven. And second one is about you know the Father. Your sins are forgiven. You know the Father. We start to encounter God by understanding the gospel. And this is what Tim Keller once described the gospel. This is what he says. He said, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared to believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Isn't that true about the gospel that we have? First, we have to acknowledge that we are sinful. And we have to acknowledge how deep our sin is. As a person, as a young kid, right, we probably start by acknowledging our sin as like, okay, um, my flaws is that I didn't obey my parents. But from that, we grew. We grew to become more conscious of it. We actively lie to our parents because we didn't want to do what they told us. But as we continue to grow, we see that it's not just that. It is not just our action. It is our thoughts. It is this ugliness and our attitude, all these things that inside us that constitutes our sin. I don't know if you remember, uh, Dr. Ken Louie was here in May, and he shared with us about this song that his daughter wrote when she was around 13, 14 years old. There was a song about lies. And in that song, this is what she wrote. She talked about, teach me how to fight the darkness, wipe out this ugliness consuming my inside. Darkness ugliness consuming my inside. But yet, it is because of the love of God that is inside us that we are saved, that we see that how our Heavenly Father is here to embrace us, to love us, to adopt us, to become His children. And as we experience Him, we come to know our Father. We know our Father. My son is 28 years old now, and he is probably taller than me if he stands next to me now, even I'm standing on this low platform. <laughs> He's bigger than me, but when he was born, the first few months of his life, for some strange reason, Every time I picked him up, 
he started crying. No matter what I did, he cried, he cried, he cried. But slowly and surely, after a few months, things got better. I was able to take care of him a little bit, and he started to allow me to hold him for a prolonged period of time. Just when I got to that point, my wife had to take them to go and visit her parents in Taiwan. And because of my work, I couldn't go until a few weeks later. And when I got to Taiwan, as I was entering the apartment door where they were staying, I was really nervous. What would happen? Would he have gone back to the crying son that I had? <laughs> or did he still recognize me? Did he know his father? When I saw him, I saw a smile. You know how much joy that is? When I saw that smile, and that's it's like a reflection of how much joy that is in God's heart. When God sees that we know him as our father, that we see him as our father. How did that happen? That happened because I continue to try to hold him, try to help him to get familiar with me. And isn't that the same way that God, no matter how rebellious we had been, he continued to try to hold us, continue to try to approach us, continue to try to help us to know him. And eventually, we came to know him. We came to appreciate his presence, his love. We come to have this relationship with him that we really see him as our loving father that we want to dwell in his presence. And I didn't fully understand this until recently. I saw a friend of mine. They adopted two kids. And they adopted them about a year ago. And I have been seeing those two kids on and off. And those two kids, they adopted them from an orphanage. And the two kids, they had a mother that abandoned them and left them with an abusive father. So the childhood for them was really bad. Eventually, the father was sent to jail. So they were sent to the orphanage, and that's how they got adopted. But as I saw my friends interacting with these two kids, and the past few weeks, I got to spend a few days with them. And I was so touched because I saw these two girls. They were dwelling in the love of their new parents that they never experienced before that they never got when they grew up, that I saw them. They were trying to follow them every minute. They were soaking in every ounce of the love that these parents had for them. If we know our Father, we as the adopted children of God, that we are to soak up every minute, to grow, to learn, to be with God, to know what God's love for us is like. That's what children do. And we, as children of God, that's what we do. And I hope we all here 
that you continue to dwell in this love of God. But as we continue to dwell, we also learn that how faith has to grow. At the beginning of the chapter, chapter 2, verse 1, here, John talked about my little children. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. So we are supposed to allow our, this relationship to change the way that we live, that we should no longer sin. And when we talk about this, we look at what John said about the young man here. Young man here, they talk about three things. It is about overcoming the evil one. It is about being strong. And it is about the word of God abides in you. Three things. Just like young children, right? Young children, while they were under the care of the parents, they could stay home all the time. But eventually, they had to go to school. And when they go to school, they have to come and find out that the world is not a perfect place. That we have to help them to understand that this is a dog-eat-dog world. A new story that I read recently really, really troubled me. It is about this girl who is a junior high student in Florida. That she was being bullied in school. You may be saying, okay, well, the bullying story we read so much that is not that troubling. I mean, which is a sad thing on its own, right? That we're so used to it. But in this particular story, this girl, she was bullied in her school. So because of that, her parents decided to send her to another school. Now, the students, some of the students in that school got a hold of the information that this girl was sent to this school because she was bullied in the previous school. What should these girls do? They should be showing compassion, helping these girls to be there, to adjust to the new school, right? But guess what? They said, okay, this girl, she can be bullied. So they got a group to bully her as soon as she got to the school. When I was reading this story, I was like, these are junior high school students. What is happening in this world? What's going on here? That this is about the evil one presence in this world, in the world around us. And we continue to see this happening. We see bullying. We see bullying at work. We understand how that goes. We see bullying in the world. The bullying between countries and countries. This doesn't change. And that's the evil one that we see. And you may be thinking that, yes, the world is such an evil place. There are a lot of evil people out there. But what about us? What about us? A few months ago, I got a chance to visit Hong Kong. And when I visited there, I got a chance to go and do a prison visit. And the prison visit is actually a good opportunity for us to go and visit the prisoner. And basically, we did a short worship service with them, um, like a, about 15, 20 minutes of worship and then a short message. And then we get to hang out with the prisoners together in small groups, about four, three or four people. And then we chat and we talk just to understand them and talk to them and show care and pray for them. So on that particular day, there was this a young man who was a prisoner there who showed special interest in me. The reason why was because I, before I became a pastor, I was a structural engineer. And he graduated from civil engineering. 
So we started talking. He started asking me, so how did you like the field? What did you do? I study engineering too. So I asked him, like, so, um, so what kind of projects you were involved in? He said, well, unfortunately, I was sent here within six months after my graduation. And we had a lot of conversation, and then he said that, like, he, he was not a Christian, but he was interested uh, there, that he wanted to join this fellowship and to understand more. So we talked a bit, and um, when I got home, like, I saw his name on the name tag. It was in the prison. They all have name tag. So I searched, and I found out that he was sent to life in prison for murdering his girlfriend on a public bus. So I found out more about the case. And I realized that like, this was just a moment of anger that he couldn't control himself. Because if you murder someone on a public bus, there are like a thousand cameras recording actually what you did. And he actually tried to jump out of the bus to commit suicide. But he was, uh, he was, uh, he was taken to the hospital and he faced a trial. And he was such a nice guy that his cellmate at that time, that was with him for a few months, actually wrote a letter to the judge and said that I spent time with this guy. This was a really, really nice guy. Please be lenient on him. And that got me thinking. He killed his girlfriend because of the anger that was inside him. How many of us have been angry with people that even we may not kill someone, that we could have hurt someone? That's inside us. Am I better than him? Or am I just better because I have a better self-control? Or maybe I have a better environment around me that stopped me from allowing this anger inside me to explode the way that he did. So whatever it is, I learned that there is evil inside me as well. Evil in the world, in the world that we are in, inside us. That here, John says that we must overcome the evil one. We must overcome this. How are we to do this? And John said that we are doing this by abiding in his words. Abiding in the word of God. The word abide has at least three meanings that I can think of. One is remain. means that the word of God is to remain in us. That whatever word of God that we read, we remember it. And after that, it's about continue. Abide is not just a one-time process. It's that it continues to stay in us. But more than that, it is also about to live out. When the word of God abides in us, that it is to live out in us. So at least three things. So how, how does that come out in our life? How do we abide in his word? Many, many years ago, when I first got my driver license, that evening as a new driver, I was really excited. And that's the first time that I was allowed to drive on my own without someone sitting next to me, right? So I decided to take a drive. As I started driving, it started raining. And as the rain began, I realized that not only it rained, it became foggy also outside. 
So as a new driver, I was still kind of nervous. So I started to slow down and slow down in my car. But driving in New York, you know what happened when you slow down, right? <laughs> People got pretty mad at you. And the weird thing was like, I'm thinking like, wow, these drivers are crazy because I saw the cars next to me was passing by in normal speed. And the guys behind me was honking like crazy. So finally, I gave up. I pulled to the side of the road and said, I am just going to sit here and wait till the fog is dispersed. So I waited, I waited. And it's still foggy in the car, so I need some fresh air. So I opened the door of my car and I walk outside. And I realized something really, really strange. It wasn't foggy outside at all. I learned about this. I learned about these two buttons on that evening. But God is our defogger. Abiding in the word of God, overcome the evil one. How? It is for us to allow the word of God to help us, to guide us. Because we sang the song, Holy, 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 earlier. It's though the darkness hides thee. But the word of God is the defogger to help us, to help us to see God, to have a clear picture of this world. Because we are living in a world that two worlds, two worlds are in collision. The value of God is different from the value that the world wants to impose on us. And we need to allow the word of God to guide us, to lead us, to help us to see clearly behind all these things that the world tried to trick us with. How many of you have heard of the, wor the word workism? This word, workism, this is how it was defined. It is the belief that work is not only necessary to economic production, but also the centerpiece of one's identity and life's purpose. That definition is to replace workaholism. Workaholics means that you work really, really long hours. This one doesn't necessarily mean that you work long hours, but your existence, the centerpiece of your value is your work. And the Pew Research Center actually did a research recently and it shows that to 95% of the teens, that's the teens now, they see that having an enjoyable job in their life as the most important thing. They place that as higher importance as having friends. They place that as higher importance and having, uh, having a family or higher importance than being able to help the people around them. Workism. But the word of God allow us to, to, to look past this facade and to see what is truly important in our life. Tim Keller also said this. It says, contemporary people tend to examine the Bible looking for things they can't accept. But Christians should reverse that, allowing the Bible to examine us, looking for things God can't accept. How many of us do this? 
How many of us look at the Bible and say, I, I don't know, this doesn't make sense. I don't want to follow this. We, we are trying to looking for, look for things that we cannot accept. Is that how we talk to God? That, God, you don't know what you're doing. I can't accept this. No, we should be looking at the Word of God and, tell the Bi and, and allow the Bible to examine us, help us to see what are the things that God cannot accept. Things that we cannot understand, we accept it. And maybe when the day we see God, we can ask Him why. But it is more important for us to know that what is something that God cannot accept. And we live in our life accordingly. Living our life, abiding in the Word of God. How does that give us strength? On the day that I went to that prison visit, I also received a songbook. That songbook are hymns written by the prisoners in the prison. And there was one song that really touched my heart. And this is what the song, the beginning of the song says. It says, the threat in the mother's hands, the love in the father's heart, yet we are separated and cannot meet. I'm alone in a dark room behind bars, speechless, alone, lamenting. Story behind bars. It described how they felt when they were in prison. But you know what the last verse says? This is what the last verse says. They said, sad, tired, powerless, again, about how they see themselves. Yet the love of God approaches me like a cloud, the meaning of the cross, the healing of my wounds, breaking through the bars to soar with wings. Have you ever imagined prisoners with life imprisonment sentence say that they can soar with wings? I was reading this and I saw these people. They are imprisoned. They could not go and have freedom to do whatever they want, but they are being used by God. They are being used by God to be ministers, to sing praises to Him, to encourage the people around Him. The Word of God abides in them. The Word of God changed the way they look at the world around them. So, to our eyes, they could not do anything, but to them, they can soar with wings. If they can soar with wings, how much more can we have the freedom that we have, have the, have the resources that we have, have the time that we have? How much more can we soar? How much more can we bring glory to God? Young man, by overcoming the evil one through abiding in the word of God, we can all be strong. Can we do the same? Do we allow the word of God to change the way we look at the world around us? Do we allow the word of God so that we can live a life that overcomes the evil one? Now, 
Let's take a look at the fathers. The fathers, in both cases, is that you know him who is from the beginning. Is it because the father is older, like you tell them things they forget and you just have to tell them again, maybe? But you know him who is from the beginning. If you know God who is from the beginning. Some people say that this means from the beginning when you receive Christ. Some people say that this means from the beginning of time. But whatever that means, when you know God who is from the beginning, you know what? You know that God has been at work all along in your life. That God was always there for you. And that should help us to not to be proud of what we have accomplished because we accomplish what we can accomplish because God was always there, guiding us, leading us, helping us, providing what we need, um, knocking away our obstacles in front of us. That's what this means. And I think that a lot of times I see young people, especially, I've seen quite a few young college graduates. They would come and tell me that. I said, like, well, you haven't been to church for a while. What's going on here? And they said, well, I actually come to the realization that I have worked hard. I, my hard work, is what gets me to where I am today. No, you had the opportunity to work hard to start with in school is because God has been providing for you. That you know that God is there from the beginning. But when you know that God is there is from the beginning, Another thing that helps us to understand is the idea of experience. That you have experienced God a lot. I have a short video that I want to show you, to show you about experience, what it does. Let's take a look. Which one of this is the most impressive one to you? Coffee? I heard coffee, right? That one is like quite impressive, right? And I think that if you look at his hands, there are probably a few pretty bad scars on it. And that's what experience is. Experience allows us to be really good at something. But through the process, we went through pain and suffering. Just like the testimony that we heard, that it is difficult sometimes to grow as a Christian. So this experience helped us to learn more about God. And we see that this is the progression that John is saying here. It started by, some, by us knowing the Father. And from knowing the Father, we allow the word of God to abide in us to change the way that we live. And now, as the fathers is older, that you're able to look back and know that God was always there with you all along the way. And for, for the readers at that time, when they see the word father, they know one thing for sure. 
you are to pass this along to the next generation. That's what people did at that time. So as we grow, we are to pass this experience along to the next generation. And to the church that John was writing to at that time, they really needed it because they were dealing with liars in the church. They were dealing with people that were trying to deceive them. So they need people that have experience in God to guide them, to help them. Just like our young people these days, they have to deal with how the world wants to deceive them. And for those of us that have experience in Christ, that we are to be the one to help them, to guide them, to help them to walk along this path. Now, when I think about this, I realize that it is quite challenging to churches nowadays for this kind of relationship to develop between the mature older Christian to the younger one. Why? Well, for the younger people, they have read so many uh, failure stories among church leaders. So it is easy for them to be skeptical, to listen to them. And for the older Christians, a lot of times, when we have this opportunity to help others, we realize that we did not practice this when we were young. We may not even know how God's word applied in this situation. So sometimes we may even become defensive when the opportunity arises. But that's one thing that I'm really glad to see when I come to First Baptist. That I see that this is a church that is multi-ethnic, but also multi-generational. There are many, many churches here. I think you know in Flushing, there are like churches in every street, right? But many of them are multi-ethnic, but they are mostly for like one generation or maybe two. Many of them are multi-generational, but they are multi-ethnic. I think that this is a church that God has placed here and has a unique place for us to learn, learn from one another, to build up relationship with one another, to have the more mature believers to help with the younger believers. And this help us to build this community as one, to grow as one. After I finish my message, the worship team is going to come and guide us to, to sing the song. How deep the Father's love for us. And I would like us to take a look and reflect upon yourself and to see how the love of God has been with you since the beginning. How the love of God brought you to come to know Him in the children phase where you can really dwell in His love. And how that love continues to guide you so that you can live according to his word, that his love was with you to guide you along to live. But also allow that love to guide you so that you can pass that love on to the younger generation and to bless them. Whatever stage you are at, I trust that the love of God dwells in you. Let us pray. Our dear gracious Lord, we come before you humbly because we know that we are sinners saved by grace alone. 
We give thanks for the love that you have shown us. A love that not only redeemed us, but also changed the way that we live for you. I pray that you will bless this church, that you will bless everyone here, so that we will be able to allow this love to flow <clears throat> among the brothers and sisters and to see the reality of this love being demonstrated and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please rise, sing in how deep the Father's love for us. Sin that 
Good afternoon, First Baptist. Um, we'd like to welcome all of you, those who are with us in person, as well as those who are attending online. And I do hope that you've been blessed by our worship services thus far. Um, we'd like to give a special welcome to any first-time visitors. If you can raise your hand. Really high. Our ushers would like to give you a Connect card. And we ask that you bring your completed Connect card outside to the Visitor Center, where we have some people who are waiting to give you a special gift. So make sure that you get your card if you're a first-time visitor and that you complete it so that you can get your special gift. Now, I'd like to give you an opportunity to greet your neighbors. You can stand up and rise. Don't take too much time since we have entered the pumpkin spice season, as it is. You can let people know what your favorite pumpkin spice is. Is it a donut? Is it the coffee? Is it a latte? Or a candle? Whatever. <laughs> So please greet your guests and your neighbors. So now that you've had an opportunity to discuss the very important pumpkin spice debate, some people fall into, I love pumpkin spice, all things pumpkin spice. Some people hate pumpkin spice, so. I personally have already had my Krispy Kreme pumpkin spice, so I'm good. So um, moving on to highlight some of the announcements. Um, we are very pleased to announce that our very own Deacon Ebert Mahan will be serving as the interim music director We are so blessed to have very multi-talented people attending our church who can serve in multiple functions. So we do appreciate you, Ebert. <laughs> um, we have upcoming the men's retreat, um, September 29th, um, and that will be at the Tuscarora Inn and Conference Center. Um, please join the men for a weekend packed with powerful teaching, inspiring worship, and fun activities. You can register directly on the site Tuscarora.org, um, and please email Joe Cena or Drew to coordinate transportation. And now to be outdone, the women's retreat <laughs> will also take place at the Tuscarora Inn and Conference Center. And this will be a time for us to invest in ourselves and our relationship with God at this beautiful weekend getaway. Again, you can register directly online at tuscarora.org. And please email maria at gmail.com in order to coordinate transportation. Um, FBC will be having its English Congregation monthly prayer meeting this coming Saturday, September 16th at 10 a.m. Um, this will be taking place in the college and career room. Um, this will be a time for contemplative and intercessory prayer and an opportunity to prayer walk 
through the neighborhood. Please enter through the church parking lot. The young, young adult group, um, which is for college age and up, will be continuing to meet in person on second and fourth Sundays, um, and this will be immediately after service on the third floor in the South Wing building. And the New York Children's Choir for Christ is excited to be restarting this fall semester. Auditions will be held this coming Saturday and between 9, uh, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. and right here at the church. And so last year the program hosted over 22 children and this year they're hoping to exceed that with over 40. Um, the goal remains to teach young people excellence in singing gospel songs, thereby planting the word and joy of Jesus in their hearts. You may find additional information in the bulletin and then there's a bookmark that has the, all the essentials. And there's also a poster in the lobby. We do encourage you to sign up for auditions. So there is a master car list. You may have seen this blue insert here. Um, we do ask that if you drive to church, that you complete this and let us know your car information, especially if you use the church parking lot. Okay, sometimes we need to contact people to move a car. Okay. Now, about the church parking lot. So, there are three gentle reminders that we would like to share with you for your consideration and your compliance, okay? Number one, please do not park in the middle lane. Okay, the middle lane needs to be kept open for a variety of reasons, one being so that emergency vehicles can enter if they need access to the church. Also, as a courtesy for those who need to use you know, devices to, in order to get access. So if you have a wheelchair, a walker, big stroller for the little ones, we do appreciate if you keep that lane open, so please don't park there. Second, we have authentic designated handicap spots, okay? What that means is if you are in the handicap spot, you should have an actual handicap sticker, right? So it's not like a suggestion. It's an actual handicap spot, right? So we do appreciate if you are going to use that spot that you actually do have a sticker. And then thirdly, we'd like to prioritize the church parking for those who need special access, right? So those who are elderly, those who may have some disabilities, those who have small children that do have a lot of strollers, right? So we would really like to prioritize the parking in the church for them. So we do ask that if you are able-bodied and don't need have any special needs, that you find alternative parking on the street, or we do have a, a, an agreement with the parking lot across the street for a discounted fee, okay? So those are our other options for parking. Now, all of the announcements may be found in your bulletin. I would like to ask our ushers to come forth as we pray for the offering. Every man should give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. Deuteronomy 16:17. Lord, my rock and redeemer, thank you that you are infinitely, consistently, and perfectly wise. You have said that whatever we give is acceptable if we give it eagerly. You have said that we should give according to what we have. 
Help us to bring our offerings with an eager heart and as an act of worship to you. May we find the comfort we desire in you and the strength that we need in your name. May your presence be with us every hour of each day. Through Lord Jesus Christ and all God's people say, Amen. Joel, rise for the benediction. Receive the benediction. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen.
with someone. Amen.